Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Internet Hour. Let's see what episode number this is. Haven't recorded in a while. I'm sorry again, per usual. Episode 114, this will be. Wow. Okay, only 14 episodes since the beginning of the year in six months. So that's two episodes-ish every month. Simply not good enough, but you know me. I'm always trying to work on it, and I'm trying to get better for all of you. I'm going to dive right in. No polls this time, per usual. We're going straight to our format of unhinged madness rambling. So if you're not here for that, um, definitely don't stick around. But if you are here for that, here we go. And then after, I'm going to do Kardashians. I'm going to do Vanderpump Rules. I'm going to do Real Housewives of New Jersey. And then a little bit of Summer House if I am not so fucking exhausted by then. Because even thinking about all of those things right now are just like, oh my god, it's a lot. It's a lot to be like consumed by all the time. And I'm trying to read more books and, you know, ever chasing that uh, becoming smarter era that I'm wanting so badly, but I'm getting there. I'm definitely prioritizing reading articles these days. I'm reading a new book. I'm reading Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, and it's really good so far. I'm only like 40 pages in, but it's been nice reading it at night. Getting it's crazy. Like you, we stop reading books and you forget that you have access to all these different worlds at your fingertips that you don't have to wait a week for the next like installment of you just have this entire book and i keep looking at the like latter half not latter half but latter like 200 more pages that i have to read and i'm just like wow it's so wild that this book is just like right here and all it takes for me to access all of this narrative information and this story is just like continuing to read Um, Yeah, not a revelation that many people who actually do read have these days. But since I don't read, I'm having it. And yeah, I just listened to the daily episode from today that said that basically like this woman 50 years ago said that when we learn to read, we're not supposed to be chasing the like phonetic pronunciation, I guess, of like letters and words. So like instead of when you are struggling to figure out how to say a word or what a word, I think it's just how to say a word when reading, instead of sounding it out and trying to then find out what the word means, you're supposed to like put it in the context of the larger book and basically just like guess what the word means. And in the daily, it's saying that only in the past couple years are people realizing that that is so incorrect and not at all the way that we're supposed to learn to read and that reading is very auditory and like you should be saying things out loud and trying to learn to pronounce them and that's a way to like that's the way that you're supposed to be learning and that helps you write and etc and so I just it's crazy that we've just accepted this one way of learning I guess because someone with authority sorry for the siren oh well we're just gonna have to deal it's crazy that we just accepted this one way because it kind of made like anecdotal and logical sense. But then I think the it was like the invention of the MRI machine made it so that we could see brain waves or something. I don't know. I, clearly, I wasn't listening very intently. But there's a whole other way that we're supposed to be learning to read that has not been correct for the last 50 years. Oh, I'm going to wait for this to pass, I guess. 
okay, it's still faintly in the distance, but it's kind of gone now. And knowing my luck, although I like to think I have good luck, but knowing the podcast's luck, uh, there will probably be one really soon. Among the many other reasons why I couldn't be like a first responder of any sort is like if that siren's playing all the time in my ears, I am going absolutely mad. Are you, Are they not? Like, can you hear it as loud in the car? Is it soundproof? I just, I don't know. The logistics there just like don't seem correct. Okay. Yes. I'm, I talked about my book that I'm reading. What else is going on? I need to go to Mood, the fabric store on 37th Street, because I need to make more pouches, which are a fucking hit. I am so cute and so talented. I've been making these pouches out of this like really thick corduroy, and they just look so chic and cute. So catch me like potentially being a businesswoman at some point. HBO Max changed its name to Max. Uh, This was like a slow news week because I saw about 5 million tweets about this and how, oh, Peacock should also change its name, ergo, like, to cock. And it's just like, are we all seeing the same amount of the same joke lately on Twitter? Like, I love Twitter, obviously, but there's been a lot of just kind of low-hanging fruit, a lot of obvious jokes. And I'm just, frankly, I need something a little more highbrow. But I think it's the stupidest decision ever. HBO is like HBO, home box office. That is their, that's who they've always been. And the association with HBO and like cursing and kind of like crazy content is just, it's there. Like why change a good thing? I feel like it's one of those things where like maybe a year ago, the headquarters of HBO Max was like, we're getting a little stale Uh, We need to kind of mix it up. We need a more splashy word. And so they added HBO, they added Max onto HBO and they were like, okay, this is like going to be our game changer. And eventually we'll just go Max and it'll be like this, like, I don't know, what's, what's the word? It has like a punchy quality, the X, but then like maybe thing like there was an upswing and like that little lull of when the fucking marketing department was bored as hell like went away and now and but like everything was already in the works so they couldn't like curtail it and so they had to just go through with it and now they've changed this like relatively iconic uh acronym brand to one of the more common words in in the universe and just the streaming oversaturation is just getting a little chaotic for me. We have Netflix, which is one of our top guys. We have Hulu, which is really just staying the course and doing what they do. And then we have fucking now, I mean, I use YouTube TV all the time. I know it's unpopular and it's like not that accessible because it's fucking $70. But it's perfect for my award shows, for Bravo, for like sports, anything live. Like it has friends all the time, The Office, Chopped, Jeopardy. It's just, it's got a lot going on. So I'm kind of always there. And I, I don't, I don't, okay, I don't like commercials, but do I mind them as much as maybe I did a couple months ago? No, I kind of find the break nice in that 
if you're if there are no commercials and you're like on your phone the whole time, you're pretty much wasting your own time trying to multitask but not really giving your full attention to either thing. So a commercial allows you to like at least be giving your full attention to your phone during the commercial so it feels more intentional and as if you're doing something purposeful with your time, even if that's scrolling on your phone. I don't know. I'm into it. Um, we have fucking Disney Plus, which I did use Disney Plus the other day to watch Cheaper by the Dozen 2, which is absolutely without question one of my comfort movies. The Allison Stoner, Taylor Lautner love story, cute little like preteen romance is just everything. It was everything when I was 13 and thought that maybe one day I would get to date Taylor Lautner. But even now as an adult, I mean, I think Hilary Duff's acting is garbage. Love her so much. I haven't seen whatever. What's the like reboot that she's in? How I Met Your Father. I haven't watched that. I, I haven't watched any other Hilary Duff content really of her acting since whatever Cadet Kelly. But it's it's just not great. It's kind of like that wispy, like, it's just corny. It's fucking corny. Um, but the movie as a whole is just so good. Steve Martin and Eugene Levy are so good. They should do another movie together. Um, yeah. Okay. Let me move on. I could, like, why do I waste? Whatever. It's okay. Um, I've been journaling a lot lately, which has been really helpful. It's so helpful to just get your feelings out there and understand that they're not permanent. It's like I always put so much pressure on journaling in that I would write things and think, okay, this is how I feel. Like this is who I am. This is what my life is right now and kind of try to give this an overall status update but make it feel happy and coherent. And really you don't have to. You can be a mess and sad and confused and lost and frustrated and you can be happy. It's like one of those things where you kind of write less and document less when you're happy. But I've found that in getting in into the routine of it, I do try to make a, a conscious effort to at least write down, oh, I'm feeling really good today. So that when I go back, I'm not just like, oh, my God, am I okay? Um, but having the the documentation of not being okay is so important too to like know that it's even temporary to know that it was just how you were feeling in the moment and to get it out in a journal is almost like word vomiting. And when you feel like you don't have anyone really comprehensive to talk to, like a therapist who's a third party or even like a hairstylist where you can just go sit for an hour and divulge your deepest, darkest secrets, it's really good to like write down, write a paragraph about how you're feeling and just get it out. Um, my skin is literally today in a good spot, which is crazy. I've had such a struggle with my skin over the past, I want to say year where it's just felt uneven and I've been breaking out like crazy. I know you guys know that I'm a picker. I cannot resist popping pimples, creating pimples from rubbing my grimy little fingers all over my face. And just, I've been really trying, I mean... I feel like I've said this before, but over the past couple of days, honestly, to like consciously not touch my face because I had this huge pimple on my cheek that just kept coming back because I kept trying to pop it. And then, of course, I Googled and like the one time Google was helpful and not telling me that I was going to die and really a scary vibe. Um, it said 
some people oil gets trapped under in their pores and then it develops this kind of like harder knot of a pimple under your skin that isn't poppable but you can treat it by doing a warm compress not touching it tea tree oil this like one uh, like uh fuck i don't know what it's called but i ordered it on amazon it was like a suggested lotion cream thing and i've been using it but of course it's the answer is don't touch your face and it's always in these moments where I feel like I've found a good routine or like one specific thing makes me not want to touch my face and it really like scares me. It's almost like, okay, like you're going to really damage your face. You're going to give yourself scarring or whatever. And then I'll stop touching my face for a few days and I'm like, oh, you know, it's because whatever. But no, it's because I'm stuck. I didn't touch my face and it's working out for me. I'm still struggling with my haircut. I'm really not loving it. And it's such an interesting vibe of really feeling resentment and hatred towards like this person, this hairstylist out there who doesn't even know that you hated your haircut and still hate your haircut and are living your life with this style and appearance that you just don't feel that comfortable in. And she just gets to exist out there not even knowing. And I bet there are like hundreds of people over the course of her hairstyling career that have smiled in her face and have walked out and cried and been so upset. And it's just wild. What a wild, like ignorance is bliss kind of life that they have. And it's, it's one of those things where you also can't go and leave a review and say, oh, hi, I got a haircut here a couple months ago and I actually really hate it and I'm really upset because it's totally random almost and subjective and did I ask for this haircut potentially potentially the photo that I showed her she did it exactly but my hair the way it's textured and the way it falls doesn't fall like the girl from Pinterest who styled it herself and that's always my downfall I I don't know Uh, it's just crazy but I think I want to cut it short to be like one length once the kind of first layer that looks like I have like Blue's Clues ears grows out to like a good spot below my ears and neck and like maybe then I can get it into one even cut and that'll make me feel better. Who fucking knows? Not me. Okay. A few more updates. Oh, I watched, I started, I think I'm on episode four, which is crazy. Uh, Happy Shiny People or Shiny Happy People. I don't know. The documentary series docu-series about the Duggar family the 19 kids and counting family and the religious cult that they were a part of and that all of these people in the suburbs midwest south question mark I don't know all of them participated in I the acronym is IBSP but I don't know what it stands for it also Mm -hmm. sounds like the beach right isn't there a like beach in New Jersey, I something state park, IBSP. Yeah, we crazy. But it's basically just shining a light on how evil and scary these fundamentalist, I want to say, Christian religious people are that religion at that point is not rooted in being a good person. It's honestly rooted in being a bad person and and finding the ultimate and most highly accepted excuse to be a bad person. 
in that the leader of the cult, basically this guy, Bill God, it sounds like Godfather, his last name, but I don't know. Oh, Bill Gothard, um, basically abused many young women throughout his tenure as the leader of this cult and encouraged parents to beat their kids and really encouraged this culture of submissivity, submissiveness among women and encouraged like blind power and authority in men. And as you can imagine, that created a toxic and horrible dynamic in which men, including young boys, grew up thinking that they had a right to a woman's body or a right to be in control and that whatever emotions or thoughts that they had as men were valid and good. And that just led to really scary, shitty instances, not even instances, there were hundreds of them, I guess they are instances, of abuse over women. And it's just really fucking scary and sad. And things, religions like that use isolation as a tactic to like continue on. All these women in the documentary who talk about what they experienced said, I felt so alone. And like the girl next to me in my class, little did I know was going through the exact same thing and was just as scared as I was. And uh, it's just horrible. It's, it's the Duggar family is like just the entryway into this entire system and institution of this religion. And it's really frightening and sad that we're living currently right now in a world where there are people all over the United States who are just completely being taken advantage of and isolated on this for the sole purpose of like men retaining power and like legitimacy somehow. I don't know. It's really crazy. It's a good thing to watch if you kind of grew up on TLC like I did, The Learning Channel, which is fucking crazy because it did in this documentary. They talk about how it turned into like this kind of voyeuristic thing where you were looking at these crazy stories about crazy people and it was almost like a sensationalism and it is strange how it almost – although it was like highlighting and showing a lot of humanity, it removed humanity and like removed my ability to be actually concerned for these people, like my 600 pound life or whatever, or I don't know, just 90 day fiance, like a show where ultimately at the core of it are people who are lost and sad and probably need help. But for me as a viewer who can switch the channel or just turn it off altogether after viewing it and saying, whew, thank God that's not my life. Like it's there's no real like compassion encouraged by the channel. And I think that's really dangerous. Okay, enough about me. Um, Was any of that about me? Actually, I don't know. But now I'm going to jump into Kardashians, uh, just because it's kind of at the forefront of my mind. I listened to Kim's interview with Jay Shetty, and I think I have it in my notes. I'll get to it in a little bit. But it, I, you guys know, I, I'm there's just a sense of duality in my consumption of the Kardashians. There is so much love for these powerful women who 
have made their careers and their lives and their money off of being vulnerable and showing the public the more emotional sides of their life and their relationships. And then the other half of me is really can be a judgmental, like snark monster. And, you know, do we do we love all of ourselves? Yes, I love all of myself. But I also know that sometimes my eye rolls are too judgmental. And I, I just am like irritable sometimes about the the responsibility of super, super rich people to be people of substance. And it's just like, it's almost the antithesis of what actually ever happens is like a lot of time, really, really rich people aren't that deep and have, or if anything, if they were ever that deep, they've lost touch with like the reality of the common man struggle and what comes with not having access and that makes people kind of like more hustly and more and like when you're not on display all the time you can have you can explore your interests and your hobbies so there is also a part of me that like doesn't blame them when you're so rich and you have access to so many things but also your life is like on display do you want to necessarily put and specifically then like do you want to put yourself out there to be judged if you don't know everything about something, do you want to speak on it and run the risk of sounding dumb? I feel like they're really terrified of that kind of thing. And listening to this Jay Shetty interview, I just, I really felt like Kim is kind of lacking a, a depth to her, which may be there, but she can't access it because she kind of has to be on all the time. But it was just interesting. Like Jay Shetty said that people have these three faces to them. One is to the public, one is to their friends and family, and one is something that they don't show anyone. And he asked him, like, do you have a face that you don't show anyone? Like, what is that like? And she kind of said, no. And I believed her. It was weird. It was like twofold of like, Kim, what? He's literally telling you that this is like this ancient proverb proverb of truth about all people like philosophers who thought forever about it came up with this and said like it's true about everyone and you like can't even think of something that makes you like the common man or you can't even think of something that you keep private when there absolutely are things that you keep private. Like, I don't know. I feel like she just like couldn't think that deeply for some reason there. And I don't know. I don't know. I had a second point, but now I can't think of it. I don't know. Okay. I'll get into that later. But also, okay, sorry. Just like it really reminded me of Jen Atkins book, Blowing Your Way to the Top about, which is like a book full of advice for people, but it's kind of just all these kind of surface level sayings and like pieces of advice, like work hard and you'll get to where you need to go instead of like specific examples and specific, I don't know. I don't know. There's just like no specificity. And I also, I feel like maybe that circumstance and that happens with me too, like during the intros for these podcasts, sometimes I'm like, I'm feeling lost and confused. And there is a specific reason or reasons that I am feeling lost and confused, but I can't say them because that would just be 
like outing relationships that I have in my life that make me feel like, I don't know, it would just be, or like situations that are fleeting, but are making me feel a certain way. They would be forever memorialized in this podcast. And that doesn't mean like I'm not sharing a lot with people, but I feel like for her, she's, there were a lot of times during the Jay Shetty interview where I was like, you are specifically talking about Courtney and specifically talking about an instance. And when she said like people, when she did her, the variety interview and said like, nobody wants to work these days. And I feel like the consensus after that was, okay, she's definitely either talking specifically about Courtney or specifically about someone in her life. And it's just coming out in this like overarching life statement when it's actually really situational. And we would all understand what she meant when, if she said, I'm talking about my sister who I feel doesn't value work in the same way that I do, but wants to benefit from, but benefits from everything that we've built together. Like they're just such, she goes with these sweeping statements and like Jen Atkin does the same thing in her book. And it's like, I totally get it. You can't name a celebrity and say like, in this instance, I knew to keep my mouth shut and like that, keep my mouth shut, like as a hairstylist and not gossip with my um, client. And it's like, it would make a little bit more sense and be a little bit more applicable to, not applicable to my life, but I would be able to like extract a little bit deeper of a message if I knew more context. So it's just interesting that like, and I think Kim knows that like in this interview with Jay Shetty, if there was an instance that she wanted to talk about, say, just like as an example, not true at all, but like say she had just gone through something with Corey Gamble and like learned something about, you know, holding your tongue when you want to give someone advice. And she had given an example of like something that had happened with Corey. We would all kind of be able to understand that better because we know where to place him in her life and we know the dynamic or we seemingly know the dynamic of their relationship or she could even explain the dynamic of their relationship and we would just be better able to like get some like tangible meaning out of it to then apply to our own relationships but because she can't really get specific anymore because it would be this huge headline she has to kind of go for the overarching message and I just feel like it kind of lands flatly sometimes okay wow that was a rambly 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 sesh and we're already fucking like 30 minutes into this so I'm just gonna like get it together and jump into the Kardashians okay so I'm doing episode two of season three that came out last week and it's definitely going to be more of a I don't know I don't know what it's going to be we'll see but I'm going to go kind of by the main plot points and I'm so sorry for the honking and I just like I don't know forever I forgive me okay um so the first plot is that Chloe is running on empty There's a scene when Malika comes over after Chloe has gotten surgery to remove the melanoma from her cheek, which is so fucking scary. And like, why does everything like happen to Chloe? What has she done? What astrologically is like making the last 15 years of her life just kind of like a shitstorm after shitstorm? Like what good has I cannot think back aside from the birth of True and like I guess the existence of her second baby. I just like what good came out of this? Maybe six months where 
she was happy with Tristan, but like he was still cheating on her. So she was happy without knowing that he, she shouldn't be happy. So it's like, there just doesn't seem like there's been a time where she's caught a break and she just deserves fucking love. And hopefully it comes soon. But Malika's over and she's kind of saying to Chloe, I've never seen you this low. I think you need to just like let it out and cry and really go for it. And I thought it was interesting because of course it seems like this is such a scary thing and Chloe probably is in a really low place, but we haven't really seen the low place like and not that I want to, not that I want cameras in on her when she's like really breaking down. But and and maybe she's not. Maybe that's what Malika is saying. Like it's just it's she doesn't break down. She just her lowness is manifests in other ways that we don't understand, but that Malika knows to be true. But it's just like I don't know. I don't know what the low is. Like is she just super low energy? Is she not eating? Losing a lot of weight? Like snapping at people? Being irritated? I I totally understand that you would be so low and scared at this time in your life and having a new son who came out of this kind of tumultuous and sad and confusing situation is probably like so disorienting and having all these like negative feelings. I I was shocked in the first episode that she really said like this surrogacy thing was really hard. And it was interesting that she said, like, I wish someone had told me because it seems like Kim is the person who was guiding her through this and didn't. And maybe Kim did have a really good experience with both of her surrogates. I don't know. And no, it's probably marred by the Tristan thing. Like she probably thought that surrogacy was going to be an amazing journey and then finds out that her that Tristan fathered a child who is just being born as the surrogate is putting in the egg, whatever, like that's got to be so traumatic. And it's so probably impossible to separate those emotions from the baby itself. And the, I don't know, it just like, I don't know. It was really, it's really just been a fucking year for her. And I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know. I also like, obviously, I think Malika is a great friend and they're best friends, but I do wonder like how much support she brings to Chloe. I feel like Chloe brings a lot of support to everyone else and she's really smart and emotionally available and kind of witty. And I just don't know. I feel like the only person who's been able to meet her there is almost Rob. And that feels weird because it's like he's a man and a younger brother and we never saw him be like super emotionally reliant or reliable but there were so many moments when he broke down and so it's like he definitely has that emotional capacity and I think they have the same moon sign um but I really think like there are only a select few people who like understand her in that way and I think Rob is probably the most the person who gets her the most and he's not on the show. So we don't get to see those deeper, like, yeah, realer conversations. Yeah. Okay. The next plot is Courtney and her Lemmy vitamins, which I just, I'm sorry. I, 
Courtney is so eye roll to me. And I know it's just so it's like she she's so I don't think cares what I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Fuck. It's like, why am I being so judgmental when she's happy and she's doing what she wants? But also, like, what is it? There's an air of I'm better than you because I don't care. And I almost want to say to her that it's cool to care. It's cool to say how you're actually feeling about something in plain words and not throw like digs at other people like saying that Kim is still competitive to her. Like it's you're you're judging her for being competitive while you're saying you're not competitive with her. And like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just backwards. Um, Anyway, she was really focused on her like Lemmy gummies in this scene and really harped on the fact that it's been in development for five years. And like, I'll just say Simon is, you know, one of the best friends in the universe because the amount of work it seems like he does, and I don't know what his title is in Lemmy Inc., but it should be CEO, creative director, owner of the company because he was explaining to Courtney the whole time like what they had upcoming, what these vagina gummies were. It's like she, what was she doing for the past five years? Just hoping and wishing and wanting for the company to come to fruition when she was in a better place. Like it just doesn't seem, and she's like, I really wanted like good ingredients to go into it. And it's like, you like, that you don't even know. You're not even boots on the ground vibes. You're quite literally just the face of the brand. The Sure, you're the idea of the brand, maybe because you wanted to stop taking all of these pills. But also, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like she has like, she like wrote this idea on a notepad and put like five bullets was like, clean ingredients, recycled containers, vaginal health, women's health delicious and then sent it off to Simon and he and his team have been working for years on the product and then she jumps in and does these low-key mediocre photo shoots I'm sorry but just like they look so like I don't know now I'm thinking okay maybe the intention is to be home vibes but it's not cozy. It's like you're getting dressed up in fucking like a whole outfit to sit at home and model these gummies. And it's like the wellness part of it is not translating because you're you're doing glam and doing these photo shoots in your home, but in like stilettos and not in comfort clothes. It wouldn't even have to be like a sweatshirt. It can just be like kind of elevated beige or camel cashmere pants and some slippers and maybe your hair in a messy bun and a cute like white shirt I don't know I don't know and then you like doing your morning routine and then taking a lemmy like there's just there's so much marketing potential there and I'm just lost I'm lost on who our consumer is I'm lost on the are these supposed to replace your the vitamins that you're taking every day? What if I do need other supplements that aren't ashwagandha and fish oil? Like, what if I need vitamin D? Are you going to, like, roll out a whole 
thing or where's the like comprehensive learning part of it that's supposed to be that you've supposedly been doing for the past five years. If that's what you're priding yourself on is that you've done all this research, I need to see the research that you've done so that I know that I couldn't do better research on my own. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And the harping on like, I didn't want to do it until I was ready and in a good place is like the antithesis of what an idea is like you need you should go with it I think when it comes to you and really work hard at it and I think it's interesting to hear that she needed to be in this good place aka I guess in a good relationship in a solid relationship where she felt like she had support which I totally get like that makes sense in order to start this thing and make this thing happen but it's just such a kind of like privileged and I don't know, like you shouldn't, I know she's, she wasn't seeking this relationship with Travis and like a stable, healthy relationship in order to make everything else in her life good. Like, I don't know. I I feel conflicted about that. It's like, you should be able to heal and like be your best self on your own and not need a partner to make you this like whole better person. So it's a little off to me that it took this relationship that makes her really happy in order for her to be confident enough to start in on her own goals and stuff. And then at the same time, is it like, is that a deflection of just, it took me five years to kind of get my shit together and maybe she couldn't say it, but maybe she wanted to say like, I was being a mom and now my kids are kind of older, so I'm able to go out. But I think maybe she didn't feel like that would be received in the same way. And she's kind of in this feud with Kim a little bit. So she's like, I'm just going to put it on that. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Um, But it did remind me of the scene where Kim is fucking yelling at her and is like, maybe if you had something you were passionate about, um, you'd know what it's like to like whatever, but you fucking don't, which is like crazy, the most iconic shit ever. I don't think they would yell at each other like that anymore, but that was just, I think it's Courtney sticking it to Kim and saying, I'm not, work is just not my priority and I don't care to, like she, she was basically saying, I don't care to create a business just because you want me to have a business. But she had push. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Um, and also talking about delaying the launch as, quote, raging against the machine, which I feel like Courtney feels like she can excuse all of her flaky kind of outsider behavior as like going against the status quo when in reality maybe she just doesn't have the same drive and motivation as Kim does to make money, make the public happy. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, She said she's not competitive against Kim, but that Kim is competitive against her. And I think she absolutely is competitive against Kim, but not in a 
numbers way i think in like a oh i'm at peace way with my life like i have or like saying i prioritize my kids being a mom is so important to me i feel like that's a piece that i kind of forget sometimes is i think there was an air to it back when Courtney used to say like work isn't my priority my kids are my priority being a parent is my priority i think for us we were so on seeing it through kim's lens of like you don't want to work you you're lazy you're using being a mom like i know being a mom is hard but like i don't know you're using it and and we failed to realize that courtney maybe was sending a message in her own competitive way of saying like i'm a better mom than you i take the time to be with my kids i don't want to film all day and kim i feel like just completely missed that and didn't even take that into consideration because she knows she's a good mom and she knows you can be a good mom while you're working and prioritizing other things so yeah just interesting okay the next plot point was the kardashian reviews they were kim was reading some of the reviews for last season and it was really i was intrigued to say the least it was strange almost how kim was saying that people felt like they didn't open up a lot last season and that they felt like they did they showed chloe showed her whole the whole surrogacy at the end because she was in denial the whole time what else did they show like i don't even remember what else they showed really it doesn't feel like anything they did a lot of business but I think the point that Kim missed that we were all trying to say is we're all so aware of what goes on. And even if the people aren't on the show, like she was saying, I can't make Kanye film. It's like, babe, that's not what we want. We do not want Kanye on our screens, not at all. We want you to talk about how everything he's doing is making you feel because when he's doing those things, we as the public are almost a character in this story and i want to know how you felt about us and i want you to know i want to know how you felt about him in the moment how you felt as a person as a human being how did it make you sad were you what exactly what tweets what instagram posts hurt the most and why did they hurt you we know that it's because he's putting this narrative out there that isn't true, that you're a bad person. But also, what do you think about this person so that we can know that, okay, we're not crazy. If, like, do you feel like he was wrong about things that, he, like, specifically the Pete music video? Like, did that frighten you for Pete? Did Pete, like, I just... I have so many questions. And then obviously there's also like Astro World. And I know that Kylie is not known to share. And it's not like I didn't expect that from her. But even just a mention of it, an acknowledgement that you guys went through that, like is important to us as a viewer, as a consumer of pop culture in general. And like, if you want us to believe that you're being transparent about everything we don't see, then you have to like acknowledge at least what we do see in the public. They could go through headlines and just literally talk about everything in the headline. They wouldn't have to divulge information that they didn't want to, but they could say like, oh my God, this was crazy. Where were you when this broke? Where like, just, I want more 
I want more realness. And also I just feel like we're at the point where they're not being – it's not documentary style of like we're, a camera is not with you all day following you around and actually getting what you're doing all day. Like they used to walk in – we used to like – Kim used to come into Chris's old house with the checkerboard um, entryway and like Kylie would be sitting at the dinner table and she would come in and start up a conversation with her or we'd see Chris like getting ready in her bathroom and Caitlin would be sitting and watching TV or there was just so much more casual stuff and now we don't get any of that we get okay we're filming at this time and we're going to have to we're going to have a conversation on the bed or in the chairs about this thing that happened and it's like how about you put a camera in the car with you on your way to school and and let's see what your interactions with your kids are actually like it can be something minute. It doesn't have to be so deep and you don't have to expose your kids, but it's almost like I wish they would have cameras on them all the time. And then afterwards they could say, absolutely not. We're not putting that in instead of scheduling times to film and then having these more organized and planned conversations and activities. And it's like, I feel like they've almost gotten to a level where they're operating that way and that they need to schedule things to film like Chloe and Courtney scheduling let's have a day just the two of us it's like in the old days you would just have a day the two of you and the cameras would be there and it would be funny and that would be something that you normally do but now it's they have to plan it and everything is just so intentional and it's kind of like exhausting it doesn't feel real anymore and I almost would like them just to sit there and yeah like talk about the headlines talk about the articles that are talking about them I want to see Kim trying on all the different skims things. I want to see the like trial and error of products that maybe didn't work. Like if we have to see the business stuff, I want to see Chloe. I want to just like, if anything, I want to see them getting ready for things, trying on outfits. I want to, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I want. I want everything. But anyway, okay. Um, Scott asking them if they want to leave the show behind. I do love the full throttle Scott integration of this season. I think they heard us loud and clear of we want Scott back. And I think it was perfectly timed with him potentially getting over Courtney. I feel like in the first two seasons, Scott was his plot line and his life was really centered around the fact that Courtney found Courtney completely left him in the dust after literally in season 20 of the Kardashians, we were rooting for them to get back together. A hundred percent. We wanted them to rekindle. We thought maybe they even were. And for that carrot, I think to be dangled in front of Scott and for the public to be back on his side, the family to be back on his side. And then for that to be kind of ripped away from him, they're not filming. So they weren't forced to be together all the time. Courtney got the space that she needed. She opened her heart up to Travis and they fell in love. And I think that was just so hard for Scott to process in those first two seasons. And I'm sure that Courtney put her foot down at some point and said, I don't want Scott on the show if his storyline is going to be about missing me and potentially talking shit about my relationship. I just don't want any of that negative energy around me. And like, at this time, you need to choose me. And I think it's classic Kardashians. I think they leave so much space 
for the men in their lives and in their sisters and, and daughters' lives that it's like they were almost like, no, we're going to accept Scott and you're going to have to deal with it. And I think she knew that that was inevitable and like was happy in the long run for her kids. But just like Chloe, I think Scott needs someone who is perfect for him and makes him feel wanted and loved and needed. I don't think, I don't think for during, I think Scott obviously was really problematic and had a lot of issues in their relationship, but do I think it was all him? No, I think Courtney has major communication issues. I think she's really guarded and I'm sure dating Scott for all those years made her that way. I think they completely lost the playful nature of their relationship and I just think that he deserves someone who brings that silliness out of him and doesn't leave him constantly begging for attention or for someone to be nice to him. Like, I think he deserves love like that. In this scene also, Kim says to Chloe, she says, like, it's you and me, the show, basically. Like, we're the ones who are the most vulnerable and show our lives the most. And honestly, I don't disagree. I think overall... I would agree with that, that they put their emotions out there the most and they're the most real time honest as they as most as they as best as they can be. But I do think there is a flip side to it that the thing that keeps people engaged with the show is their lives and behavior off the show. Like I think the magnitude and kind of craziness of Courtney and Travis's relationship off the show, like the Scott DM to Eunice, all of the pub, all of like all the publicity they got at the beginning of their relationship and even surrounding their wedding and like just all of this kind of public interest about them while it wasn't their choice to share that stuff. They're not necessarily hiding away and keeping their activities private. So like that outside behavior contributes to why people want to watch the show. And it's not necessarily, oh, I saw Courtney and Travis out in the world and I'm really interested in the status of their relationship. So I'm going to watch the show to find out about it. No, it's I'm really interested in their lives. So I just want as much content as possible of their entire family and to like observe these dynamics. And I think with Kylie and Kendall, it's kind of the same. Their willingness to participate in this like larger pop culture engine absolutely contributes to the show. And like where Chloe doesn't really want to go out and dress up and do red carpets, Kylie does. Kylie will go to a red carpet. She'll go to a like show or whatever. And just like the mere existence of her outside of the show is what keeps people interested in the family and coming back. So I think there's like a little bit of a chip that's missing for Kim in that people aren't watching the show and not consuming any of the other content that the family puts out. It's like people aren't watching this. It's not appointment television for people. And then they're not going on Instagram and seeing, hoping to see like a Kendall story or paparazzi photos with Ken. Like it's, it's this larger machine that contributes to why people watch the show. And it's not just how open they are on the show. In fact, I think, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Um, okay. The Courtney and Kim impending fight. Yeah. I can't wait for this. I really think, I hope they have 
serious conversations where they lay everything out on the table. And I think they will, because I think for the most part, their relationship is show based. Like they are, they've put so much out there with, in regards to each other, the physical fight. Like, I think they are not, they're not like, oh, there's, there's stuff that the public doesn't know about our relationship and we need to keep it that way. Maybe they have like childhood trauma and stuff that they're not going to bring up on the show. But for the most part, we know that they have an issue with each other. We kind of know why. And we also know just that their personalities clash. It's not, they know that we're kind of privy to their difference in lifestyle. One of them doesn't really want to work that hard and wants to have a more relaxed and quote typical life of some sort. And the other is a hustler, is a grinder and someone who can go, go, go and has the energy to please all these people. And like Courtney doesn't really care about pleasing people. And sometimes that can be, Kim views that as a really bad trait. And I think Courtney views Kim's traits as bad traits. So I really just can't wait for them to come at each other's fucking necks. I will say, I don't remember this Dolce & Gabbana show being like something of incredible note, to be honest. And like, I love Kim, obviously. Anything she does, I'm like tuned into. But I don't, all I remember is her walking out at the end of the show, I think in that really sparkly silver dress and like walking potentially with Dolce & Gabbana. And I thought maybe all she did was walk in the show and maybe that's me I wasn't like tuned in and someone who's really tuned in Kim's stories fell off my like the top of my algorithm so sometimes I miss shit which is sad and then I'll like forget but maybe at this point she was kind of off it but I don't remember consciously knowing that she was the creative director of this show at all like that did not enter my orbit and I also think like for I think Court I can't tell if Courtney's upset because because Kim partnered with the same brand that she did her wedding with and potentially did something more notable and more and cooler and more legitimate because this was Kim on her own getting validation for some part of her life that she'd been working at for a while and like the Kravis wedding was Courtney and Travis as a unit being acknowledged not because like Dolce and Gabbana really respected their style, but just because they, I don't know if she knows this, but like they wanted to capitalize on this extremely popular moment in pop culture. And if anything, they were using it potentially as like a branding effort and like not just because they really loved Courtney and Travis and like wanted to do this nice thing for them. I don't know if Courtney's conscious of that, but I wonder if that's the reason that she's upset. Like Kim used my wedding as a business opportunity. And like, if she thinks that her having her wedding at Dolce & Gabbana's, like whatever, opened the door for the opportunity for Kim, like that's not definitely not true. It had to have been in the works before that, or the conversations were in the works before that. But I, I mean, I think Courtney maybe could be a little delusional in that sense that she thinks that her having the wedding like parlayed into Kim getting this opportunity, which is absolutely not true. I think there's also a world in which it's 
literally just that while Kim was at the wedding weekend, she was taking meetings with Dolce and Gabbana and doing business dealings. And I think maybe that's the most realistic probability is that she wishes Kim could have just like lived in the moment and been there for her wedding. But because she knew that Kim had all of these other dealings going on and that her head was elsewhere in terms specifically of Dolce and Gabbana, that she was using her wedding to like meet with these people and be in Italy. And, and also maybe the looks that Kim wore were somehow tied into this deal with Dolce and Gabbana. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. And I guess we'll find out. Um, but I, it was interesting also that Kim said that she didn't think that Kim, Courtney realized what a big deal it was. And I think I'm pretty sure that that meant like didn't realize how big of a production and how big of a moment it would be, even though like it wasn't a moment to me. I don't know. I'm lost. Um, but Courtney didn't realize like how big this would be. And maybe just thought like I did that Kim was walking in the show or something or that it was like whatever. But I also I'm just like I'm lost there, too, because Courtney's wedding was big and it was this event and it wasn't like going to the the public interest wasn't going to last longer than maybe like a week or two after the actual wedding itself. So there's no way she could think, oh, like people would have been still been thinking about it in September. And now Kim is like overshadowing and taking over this part of my life and part of my journey. It's like, no, we were kind of over it by the end of May. And the fact that Kim had this thing coming didn't influence at all how I was consuming your wedding content. So I have to believe that it's that Kim was taking meetings while she was at Courtney's wedding. And I can understand that. It's like, be here, focus on my shit, and then do what you got to do. Like, I don't care. But the fact that we already have trouble with each other, with you prioritizing work over other people's relationships and happiness is like, the fact that you're displaying it in such a blatant way here with my love story and your work is just not going to work for me. And I, I do get that for sure. I don't think Courtney is wrong in that sense. Okay, yeah. And then at the end of the episode, the Dolce and Gabbana meeting um, where either Dolce or Gabbana says that Kim is the biggest pop star in the world. I just thought that was funny because like pop has taken on such a different meaning. I think it refers more to pop culture, popular culture, and less to pop music. I think we're past the days where like, I think we totally do have pop stars. I think Dua Lipa to a lot of people is a pop star, even though like to me, she is not that she's not like as famous as I think other people think she is for her music, I guess that is. I don't know. But I totally think that Kim is a popular culture star and the biggest in the world by far. So I thought that was funny. Um, my last note is that they keep putting at the end of every episode to be continued. And guys, we know, like, there's the rest of the season, everything is to be continued. The, I think they used to tie up every episode in a bow on keeping up with the Kardashians where it would be, okay, this 
episode has a moral and a beginning, a middle, and end. And next week, we're going to be doing different stuff. We're going to be learning about different things and doing different things. And on this one, it's kind of this continuous thing. And I wish they would just stop putting to be continued. It's kind of unnecessary. And I don't know why it bothers me, but it does. Okay. I said I was going to talk more about the Jay Shetty interview, but being that I said that she didn't say anything very profound, it's almost pointless. Um, So I'm just going to say, if you didn't listen to it, maybe try to, but if you don't want to, don't worry about it. Okay. So this will be my longest episode ever recorded and ever published. I hope you like it. But now I'm going to move into Vanderpump Rules from last week because I was really taken aback by the lack of empathy, the lack of awareness, I guess you would call it, that Raquel has in this whole situation. And on top of the fact that she's dumb as a doorknob, Tom Sandoval being really a manipulative person, I think made the perfect storm for her really not to understand at all what the fuck was going on or what she was doing and what role she was playing in all of these other people's lives by having a seven month long, potentially longer affair with one of her very good friends, boyfriend of almost 10 years. Somehow, somehow all of those words together make sense in terms of Raquel like how you could not realize sooner that people would question your character um, is a little bit alarming. I think it's like the thing that's setting this apart from other cheating things and other affairs is people have affairs, I think, (laughs) I don't know, with strangers potentially or people you don't know. Or I would think if you're having an affair with your partner's best friend, that the partner's best friend would potentially become distant from the friend at some point and to make it easier on themselves to continue the, like, betrayal. Like, it would be easier to, like, distance yourself from the friend whose boyfriend you're sleeping with because you feel guilty every time you see them. But this is, like, there is some level of – there's something missing in Raquel where – I think she was completely fine maintaining the same intensity of a best friendship with Ariana and like being really happy to her face because I don't fucking know because she thought that because Sandoval was telling her that he and Ariana were having major problems and that Ariana would totally see a breakup coming and totally it would be amicable and that she might even be friends with Raquel after. Like, so she she didn't feel any guilt about remaining friends with her. And that's me giving her a lot of credit and even Sandoval a lot of credit for being able to manipulate her into thinking that she wouldn't, that she could be so cool and close with Ariana up until the time when potentially Sandoval and Ariana break up. And then even after when she and Ariana, she and Tom Sandoval get together. Like, I'm just... Making sense of this is literally impossible. I can't even believe that I'm saying these words and having to like, like there are people out there who are saying they've all cheated. We've seen this before. Like, no, literally no, we have not. This is a huge deal. This is so fucked up and maniacal and strange. The past cheating instances that we've had are one-offs. Yes, they're so fucked up, but they're with people that 
you know, we kind of knew we're unhinged and a little crazy and not that that excuses it at all, but you kind of were able to view it with like, oh my God, these guys are crazy. Not that it doesn't matter that they hurt people. Obviously it does, but there's complications. Jax and Kristen sleeping together while like both of their relationships are just tumultuous and horrible. Not that that is ever a reason to cheat on someone. No, but you can kind of just like make sense of the pieces in a kind of twisted way. This, you can't make sense of it because seemingly Tom Sandoval and Raquel were both like nice people who were supportive of Ariana and Ariana really loved them and trusted them and believed in them. And they like completely fucking betrayed her. So it's different. I don't know how anyone is comparing it to anything. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Just weird. Okay. Um, We're going to maybe do rapid fire, although that could be me jinxing myself. Um, Sandoval starts out by saying, oh, is this affair the get out of jail free card? And James is like, yeah, motherfucker, this year it is. And it so is. It's two weeks after this scandal broke. It is absolutely only going to be about that. It's all I could think about as a viewer. So I'm sure it's all anyone else could think about. You are going to get raked through the coals. And the universe put this reunion two two weeks after you got found out so that that could happen. Like, we don't care about – like, we do care, obviously, about James being, like, kind of a little prick, which he is. Like, James is not – I'm not – he's not a good – I don't know if he's a good person. He's not a good role model, that's for sure. And he's unhinged and he has a lot of issues. But – This, you cheating on your girlfriend of almost 10 years with her best friend for so long, lying to her face, manipulating everyone around you, that is a huge deal and that's all we're going to talk about. I'm sad for Katie and Schwartz that they didn't get to unpack their divorce more and I'm sure that would have been, I'm sad that we didn't get to like get into the betrayal of Raquel and Tom against uh, Raquel and Schwartz against Katie because I think she deserved some vindication although I think it came after the season wrapped that once we realized Raquel was like a sneaky little snake that everything that Katie knew and thought about her was correct um okay Lisa telling Lala she can be aggressive I thought this was so unnecessary I, I the word aggressive overall is just stupid like you can be intense I think like I think Lala is right about a lot of things I think she's she can be wrong I think she'll admit when she's wrong but in this case I think she's right Sandoval and Raquel are both slimy gross people and I think she felt it in her soul and now she has validation for it and also Sandoval hates her so much which makes me hate him more because I think Lala like Sheena has a pure good heart and honestly wants good for people. I think Lala comes out in a more intense way and Sheena comes out in a more ditzy way. But I think both can be, I think Sheena can be annoying and Lala can be annoying. And, but I think they like their hearts are in the right place. Honestly, Lala saying Lisa's defending Sandoval too much. Yeah. I wanted to be like Lisa it's okay to go against men. Like, I feel like that's a lesson she never wanted to learn that like men shouldn't, don't have to be excused for their fuck ups and they, you can go hard on them and call them out for exactly what they are. And you don't need to like baby them 
and she just loves babying them. And for what? Like, because they have 5% stake in TomTom, which I just love anytime that's mentioned because it's like 5%. That's literally nothing. She needed your names to name a bar and attract people to it. And you gave that to her and didn't even ask for like, I don't know what even that would be, residuals or like payment for using my likeness. I don't know. Like you got 5% of her bar in return. That's nothing. And she gave it back to you. So I don't know why, what they have over her potentially that would make her want to preserve. Like, and the thing is she wouldn't, it wouldn't destroy her relationships with them if she also called them out. But I don't know. Maybe she's playing mama bear vibes and, I don't know, but she was always like really hard on Jax. And I think that's because Jax was a little stupider, so he couldn't articulate maybe. And like she's maybe afraid to do that with Tom Sandoval because she knows he can, he's a little bit smarter with his words. So he could come back at her and make her look stupid, which I think she avoids at all costs. I don't know. Um, Lala getting vulnerable about Randall. Yeah, I'm glad. I feel like in those seasons where she was calling him my man, I was getting so kind of like, why are you writing so hard for this dude? Dudes are like, he's inevitably like, he can't be that great. And then, so I don't know for her to admit like, yeah, he wasn't that great. And I maybe was overcompensating and also not seeing those red flags like that felt good and validating for me. James saying he's not that guy about the Ali combo when Lala had a conversation with Ali and said she was projecting because she felt really horrible that she hadn't seen the signs or protected herself against Randall when he was taking advantage of her. So she says to Ali, just make sure you like are looking out for yourself. I thought that was really sweet. And I don't think it had anything to do with James. Honestly, I think it had more to do with Lala being in a really soft place in terms of other women and like really feeling the pain of being with someone being with a man honestly not that there's like only pain that comes with being with a man but like that it is difficult we are there are two different wavelengths going on sometimes and um just told Allie to like be aware and James saying he's not that guy was like, I get the sentiment. I get that, okay, Lala knows him better than a lot of other people do and definitely sees through his kind of, like, his exterior isn't even rough. It's actually pretty prim. But his, all of his more pokey parts of him, and she sees that, oh, like, she has a soft spot for him. So he, I don't think he expected her to kind of go hard on him like that. But James, sweetie you are that guy. Like you are, you're not, you know, maybe so dangerous, but you are messy as hell and kind of a little ridiculous. And I wouldn't put it past you to be maybe a little controlling and maybe a little stepping out kind of vibe. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past you. And I think Allie is my idol, my queen. I would do anything for her. I hope she comes back. Um, I wonder if she wants to be on the show in a capacity other than James's girlfriend, because I think she could be a real addition if she like made friends with some of these people. I really think she and Katie could potentially couple up and be not couple up, but like come together and be a source of power for this franchise. 
Um, yeah. Next line, Atlantic City, paid appearance. Um, James gets belligerent. Yeah, I totally can see that happening. And then them saying, like, James grabbed a girl's butt. And then Ariana saying, oh, Tom Sandoval, you're so much better than that. You just slept with my friend for seven months. And he's like, oh, my God, like, are that's not, like, what we're talking about. And it's honestly, like, it is. It's you're almost scarier because of the quiet way in which you move and manipulate people. And James is obvious about how shitty he is and often apologizes for it immediately. Not that that makes it better, but like, I don't know. I mean, does he apologize? I don't know. People are probably screaming like you're an idiot, but just I think James is more you can call him out so blatantly and say like this XYZ is what you did and it's just horrible and he'll be like yeah I know it's horrible like I'm such an idiot I do regret it whatever and although his words are like empty sometimes at least he says them and acknowledges whatever and understands even though he's upset usually that there are consequences to his actions like getting fired from sir one million times for being a drunk slob kebab. But Tom Sandoval literally never has to apologize for his actions because he never gets caught because he can kind of talk his way out of everything or just hide the entire thing the entire time. And so the fact that he was doing all this bad stuff for so long without any consequences and without anyone finding out and now is facing like all of those consequences in eight hours on one day, I really just think he like cannot handle it and can't take the fact that everyone on the cast and everyone in the public is like hating him right now. Um, my next note is why are the chairs so tall? Yes, I need an answer and I need it now. Why are they putting these people four feet off the ground? Like we're at a trendy bar with high top tables and little candles. I hate them. I don't want my legs dangling like I'm a fucking kindergartner. I want solid ground to cross my legs on. I want Ariana to have the floor to ground her during a really traumatic time. I don't want her back to be hurting while she's having to sit up in this fucking incredible revenge dress where her posture has to be on fucking point or her nipples will fall out. Like I want it to be easy for everyone. And the fact that they're a hundred feet in the air, I'm just like lost and confused and I don't want it. Okay. Um, Allie, Allie being in denial about James. Yeah. I think she's definitely in denial and potentially ignoring the things that she doesn't like. Although she's been really good about calling him out and saying like, are you fucking over Raquel? Like, and yeah, I don't know. Just letting him know in the moment that she's kind of disgusted with the way that he's acting. But I don't know. I think she could have given it a little bit more to him, but I think she's trying to preserve their relationship and their bond. And I'm sure behind closed doors, I mean, I hope she's talking to him about everything and, and putting him in his place. Um, James talking about Raquel's family. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say, like, there isn't really a comparison between you saying, James saying, like, your mom's a fat fuck and just being, like, so fat phobic and crazy and scary. My nightmare is James Kennedy calling me a fat fuck. Like, I can't. But there's – that's a little different. Like, him going so hard against Raquel's family and saying all that mean shit and then the kind of only 
thing that he could bring up is that Raquel's mom asked him if his dick was circumcised or not, which granted, yes, that's super fucking weird and would make me really uncomfortable, but it's not, it's not like a mean thing to do. And he was mean to Raquel's family, I'm sure. And just Raquel, like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, mustache worm. Yeah. James said that a bunch of times. So I'm sure he like has a little note card with every insult that he was going to say. And he whipped that out twice. So I know it was rehearsed. It was. It's good. It's good. But I know it was rehearsed. Okay. My next line. Why did Katie go to the wedding? Yeah. Um, I actually read an article on Vulture and that's where I got this like uh, sequence of events in whatever. And the person who wrote it, Brian Moylan, I want to say, who's very funny. He actually posed this question and was like, why the fuck did Katie go to this wedding? And it's also my question. I I do understand you want to be kind of a part of the action and you want to you already had this room booked. I think there might have been a more badass way to do it. It kind of flopped like, oh, I'm going because I have the room. Like, no, you can just say I'm going because I want to fucking see the shit show unfold and I want to be there with all my castmates and like whatever. And I don't know. I think she deserves more vindication for the Schwartz and Raquel kiss. I think that was freaky of both of them. And it was completely out of malice. And the intention was absolutely 100% to hurt Katie. And I think that's mean. So I I hope in this third part where Raquel comes, she gets what she fucking deserves. Um, okay. Tom walking to Raquel's trailer. Yes. So this was just like the craziest part. This entire conversation he walks in and he's like, hey, what's up? Like, that was brutal or whatever. And she goes, yeah, I saw all of it. And you could tell he was he did not know that. And I bet that was so intentional on the producer's part of not letting them know that Raquel was going to be watching everything. And I wonder if Raquel knew that they didn't know or or what. And, like, her, her lack of reaction in the trailer when she's watching stuff – is so mind-boggling to me. And I would say that it was intentional that she was like, didn't want the camera to get a reaction out of her, but she smiled in the weirdest moments. Like, it was so fucking freaky. Um, But them talking about him and Ariana's sex life back in January when they said it was fine and everything was improving and they were going to therapy and it was getting better. And Raquel saying like, oh my God, like I didn't, it seems like you had a great relationship and like maybe Ariana didn't know that you wanted to break up with her and like was basically I think to Tom's dismay was like telling the audience he was telling me something completely different than what was actually reality and I think I don't know what I think oh my god but her not understanding why Ariana was so upset, not understanding why Sheena was so upset was just so jarring. And then her saying like, I didn't realize, or like now my entire character is in question. It's like, literally, if you've seen Zootopia, she is the sloths at the DMV. Like her brain is going in slow motion months behind. It's taking all of this production and this whole thing to put the pieces together of the fucked up situation that she's found herself in not found herself put herself in that she's created like and also not realizing at all like she's gonna realize in 
six months that Tom Sandoval was manipulating her. Like the fact that she didn't put it together right in this moment and she's almost like she's blaming herself saying the pendulum swang and the, I can't stand the swang. I, that annoyed me so much. Isn't it swung? I don't know. But like saying basically, I mean, she, she should be taking responsibility for it, but saying like, I went too far in this one direction of like standing up for myself, if you can even call it that and not holding Tom accountable at all for potentially manipulating her into thinking that she was being this like finally reclaiming who she is and like doing what she wants or whatever. And it was actually him like lying to her about the state of his current relationship in order to like keep having sex with her and getting his rocks off from being in this secretive relationship. Like when is she going to put that together? I hope soon, but based on this trajectory, it won't be till 2024. Producer Patrick built fucking producer Patrick, huge dude telling him they had to be on camera and then Tom Sandoval trying to frame it as like a mental health kind of thing and like frame it as an invasion of privacy when you know damn fucking well it was just so that he and Raquel could get on the same page about their story or not even that he and Raquel could get on the same page that he could get Raquel on the same on the page he was like hey come here like we you need to you're like to her he probably is like you're not even realizing that we need to be on the same page otherwise people are going to be able to decode this and like break it down and realize that we're liars like he probably had to lay that out for Raquel and I don't know I don't like there has to be some point at which he realized consciously okay I'm into this girl because she is easy to take advantage of and I can tell her basically to do whatever I want and I didn't like Ariana because I couldn't tell her to do whatever I wanted um oh my god when they're talking about whether Sheena said she punched Raquel in the face Sandoval being a little bitch and not wanting to seem like a liar or seem melodramatic or whatever like he really wanted to believe that this I think in the beginning when he goes over to Raquel's and like touches her face he really thought that okay this whole situation may potentially be overshadowed by the fact that Sheena got physical and like I think he just couldn't Raquel filed a restraining order and then regretted it and filed to unfile it or whatever and I think for Sandoval he was like couldn't let go the potential that this this Sheena incident could maybe take some of the shine not shine some of the light whatever no some of the backlash off of him like he couldn't let that go so and the fact that he kept screaming at Ariana like I heard it I heard her say that so it must be true like yeah in the heat of the moment where you just got outed for cheating on your girlfriend with her best friend you were able to specifically remember everything that someone said no like I don't think so and even if you heard it that doesn't like even even if she said it it doesn't make it true like Sheena was also in the heat of the moment so maybe she did say I punched her in the face and but she should have said I shoved her or like I pushed her face away from me because she was close to me or whatever like after you're out of that realm 
things can change and you can realize like, oh, I was in the heat of the moment and maybe I said it differently, but he just could not let that go. And I was getting really pissed off that he was fucking yelling at Ariana. He was going so hard against Ariana and I, I was living for her, shushing him and saying, you fucking idiot. Like I was just, I'm here for it. I want her to destroy them. And I'm glad that everyone else is destroying them, destroying him in case like she can't because every time she says something, I feel like he gets really worked up and is not remorseful like he's yelling at her like for what sheena heartbroken over raquel and in this same vulture article it says sheena's us in the comfy clothes with a white claw yeah um me sitting on my couch and being like holy shit ariana saying no she can't sit there when andy says tells schwartz to move over so raquel can be next to tom sandoval and i think i saw an interesting tiktok that maybe this was because I think it's just – I think the bare minimum or the reason point blank is that Ariana didn't want to see Tom and Raquel next to each other and didn't – he didn't want him to be able to – she didn't want him to be able to like whisper in Raquel's ear and coach her a little bit. But I also think the reunion after Kristen and Tom Sandoval broke up and Tom and Ariana were together, that whole reunion, they were like touching each other, putting hands on thighs, like being very in love. And I really feel like Ariana maybe deep down thought that that would happen with Tom and Raquel. And she just like was not in a place to see that or handle that. And I do not blame her at all. And I like the production was just like, yes, yes, ma'am. Like we will not like fuck with you. Um, in the trailer, she's about to come out. Raquel, um, we're watching her realize what she did and the consequences in real time, which is just insane and then her one-on-one interview with andy sorry about the siren where she is absolutely insane and i'm glad that andy didn't hold back in his facial reactions it's crazy because like raquel wasn't picking up on it she wasn't picking up on oh my god andy cohen is thinking i'm actually a crazy person right now maybe i should like appear a little bit more compassionate or maybe i should literally put two thoughts together and make it seem like I feel bad or that I know actually what I did. Like she wasn't taking any of his social cues, which makes me think like there is a gloss over her eyes and over her brain made of like fucking, I don't even know. I don't know of nothingness. Her realizing that, oh, maybe Sandoval never tried to break up with Ariana and thinking actually that there is a world in which she and Ariana could be friends after it. Like, I literally almost lost my damn mind. I lost my mind. It was crazy. They, like, neither Tom or Raquel realized the consequences of their act. Like, I just, I am lost. It was hard watching that one-on-one interview with Andy. And I definitely think that the thing that'll be revealed that the cast doesn't know that might potentially put in jeopardy contracts for next season either comes in Raquel's one-on-one with Andy or a confessional that was previously filmed that wasn't really looked into potentially. But I don't know. I didn't spend as much time on the Andy Raquel um, one-on-one at the end because I think we're going to get more next week. And my throat hurts a little bit. I've been talking for an hour and a half And my brain is fucking fried because I do not understand how Raquel is a real person. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. I love you guys so much. I hope you have the 
the best week, the best weekend. I hope your summer is starting off strong and you're feeling powerful and, and happy. Yeah. Okay. I love you guys so much. Goodbye. Talk to you next time.